Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. I'm always honored to do a show where I have a longtime friend and thinker and collaborator. Today, we have Richard Harris on the show. Richard, welcome. Thank you so much. How are you? I'm doing great. So Richard is the founder of the Harris Consulting Group. They teach sales reps how to earn the right to ask questions and which questions to ask and when. We're not going to do a ton on asking questions. Our main theme for today is actually going to be around unsticking very sticky sales productivity, but we're going to do a lot of sub-themes. So we'll get there in a minute. But Richard, I always ask, what is your favorite sales book of all time and what were one or two of your key takeaways? The single greatest sales book that's ever been written, and we all know it by heart, at least in the United States, we all know it by heart, is Green Eggs and Ham. Sam asks for the sale 40 times, but he never, ever, ever gives up. Never, not once. And finally, at the end of the book, he goes, oh, you don't like them? Okay, well, don't eat them. Just try them. If you've never sat down and read that book with your kids, next time you read it, you're going to be like, holy shit, this is a really good sales book. We were talking just before we pressed record that you've got all these companies who are investing tremendous amounts of effort, time, money into enabling salespeople with all sorts of things, right? People process technology, all the things that you do with strategy. And yet there's a perception, right or wrong, that we're not moving the needle on sales productivity, that fewer and fewer reps are hitting quota. You're out there probably even more than I am, what are you seeing? Is that a real problem? I feel like everybody looks at enablement at the front end, right? Enablement doesn't stop. It goes on. It's continuous. And so I see people trying to coach one and dones or two and done kind of situations, and it just doesn't work, right? Look, we can all have a one-hit wonder. That's fantastic. But how do we sustain this over time? The things that I see are, one, Sales managers are overworked with too many reps. If you've got more than seven reps, I don't think you can do a good job coaching them. I don't care if you're an SDR team lead or an SDR lead manager or an AE manager or director. That's just too many people. And I might contradict myself on that a bit. I could take it up to 10 or 12 if they're using a platform where they are call coaching and if the team is actually doing peer call coaching aside from just the manager. There's also something to be said for recorded call coaching and live coaching. Recorded call coaching is armchair quarterback. It's good and it works. It's tremendous. But then how do you make sure it actually gets done? I mean, yeah, the keyword search and those functionalities are there, but it's so much better when you're doing live call coaching in the moment and you see and hear it actually work. And that manager and that rep make that eyeball connection of like, oh my God, I said it and it worked. You can't take that away. Why is it that it seems that decreasing numbers of reps are hitting quota? The economy has been so strong. The demand for salespeople is so incredibly high. Companies are luring salespeople who are chasing an OTE number, but it's not like they're selling anymore to begin with. Does that make sense? Like by companies bidding up OTEs artificially. People are ridiculous in their growth expectations, right? Everybody wants to be the next unicorn. I get it. Everybody's on the race to win, but at what expense? And so the real answer comes to what's your attrition rate of reps? What are your goals? What's your 
ability to hit goal and what's your attrition rate of people. And you need to look at somewhere in that data. There's an area in there where that can be perfected. I also think people are asking for ridiculous numbers. You're turning over your sales leader, your revenue leader way too often because your goals are too high. The question becomes, if I have to get rid of my CRO after you know 18 months, because I don't think it's working, right? What am I going to learn from that experience to tell my next CRO? And more importantly, why didn't you tell that to the current CRO? You mentioned you know, this issue of one and done training not working. I feel like everyone knows that, and yet people continue to keep doing one and done trainings. It's just terrible that they think this one and done does it. We've staffed our enablement team with some of our best sellers, actually. What do you think about cycling great sellers in and out of enablement? You know, I think that's a great experiment. Like, I think it'd be fascinating to run it. I've not seen it done that way. So, I, you know, any opinion I have is just an opinion. I do like the idea of like, okay, after you've been doing this, you know, as part of your career path, you're going to come out of sales, you're going to go into enablement, that gives you a chance to practice some management stuff. It's a way to practice this and practice that. You got to sort of maintain the salary, at least in my opinion, from the company side. We talked a lot about sort of the left brain consequence of not hitting quota, but I think something that has really entered the zeitgeist out there is, hey, it's not just that these people are missing a number, it is also that this is affecting their mental health. Why is that an incredibly important topic to bring up right now? I've written about this a lot, so I'm happy to share it. I am what's known as a functioning depressed person. I've had depression for almost as long as I can remember. I can equate it all the way back to... Probably the earliest I remember it is the age of six, and I know exactly what that was. You know, the interesting thing for me at the age of six was I had major ear surgery. At the age of 10, my parents got divorced and I ignored it for, you know, 20 years and that kind of stuff. So it's been with me a super long time. And then sales is such an up and down game, right? It is such an up and down game of wins and losses and slumps and peaks and valleys and you know, I realized that sales can be a very lonely place. Like I was already pre-wired as a depressed person, which is isolating in and of itself. But then when you put on top of it, you know, when you're not performing well, you feel isolated. Even when you're performing well, you're, for me, I still felt isolated because I was waiting for the bottom to drop out. Right. And I don't think that everybody has this challenge. I don't think everybody, you know, is a depressed person like me. But I also think that everybody's been through a slump and they've been down because of it and having to pull themselves out of it is, you know, we've all been a part of it. The other part of it is that there's a stigma in sales that you can't talk about this stuff, right? You can't talk about, oh, I'm down or, hey, I need some help. I don't know what to do. Or, you know, it was always, oh, when you're at top, don't brag. And then when you're at the bottom, don't talk about it. So basically, no matter what you did, you weren't supposed to talk about it. And I don't know any relationship that works really well that way. <laughs> like, I think people are more open these days. I, I always like to look up statistics and you know, just under 15% of Americans have over the age of 12 have taken an antidepressant in the last month. I didn't even know that. That's fascinating. Yeah. And I'm sure many more would benefit from them. What are some of the ideas you have that you know, would help folks and that managers can really engage in deeper conversations with their team? First of all, there's a great nonprofit called uncrush.org that I'm a part of where we specifically talk about this, right? Because in sales, we're supposed to crush it, right? And then it crushes us when we don't. And so if you're ever, you know, feeling stressed or you want to go read my story about how I made depression my superpower, go read it. There's tons of stories out there, tons of resources. So I want to make sure people know there are resources. Things that I do, one, listen to yourself 
take a couple of deep breaths and go, am I sad now? Am I always sad? Am I mostly sad? That's from a depression perspective, right? Um, and you could kind of say that about any problem you might be having. And be willing to sort of honestly accept that piece internally. If you're still not sure, you can still move forward. And my first step is you call somebody or talk to somebody. And I don't care if it's a best friend, your BFF from work, because we all seem to have one of those. Hopefully your spouse or significant other will support you. A therapist can work. I, clergy I don't care, you know, what religion you prescribe to, but you could talk to someone from your clergy if that's a part of your life. And just sort of be able to say to yourself, something doesn't feel right or something doesn't feel good. So that's the first step. For me, the things I have done, talk to friends. Even the first person I called when I had my situation sort of hit me in the face, didn't really know how to talk to me about it because he doesn't feel that way. Like he doesn't get it. And that's okay. But he was there for me to let me talk. And that was cool, right? Like that was really, really supportive of when I needed it. I do therapy, which I'm a big fan of. I definitely believe in Western medication. I have no problem with, you know, the, as you said, the SSRIs and antidepressants and those kinds of things. I do meditation, which is really good. For me, I just use Headspace. Apparently the game Tetris helps you work your frontal lobe of your brain. And so that actually just sort of helps you focus. There's a great one called Labyrinth, which is really helpful adult coloring books. I think a lot of those things you mentioned, you know, make sense because they bring you into the moment, right? Like whether it's Tetris or the labyrinth game or coloring books, right? You're so focused on doing those things that you minimize the chatter that is in your own head that either causes or fuels your anxiety and depression. Totally agree with you. What ends up happening is that your breath calms down. Is that when you start to focus heavily on something that deeply and that intimately, you actually start to control your breath. And as my friend Lindsay Boggs says, you can't control the past, you can't control the future, but you can be present in the moment by controlling your breath, which then gives you clarity of the mind. I'd love to hear some of your tips for managers to create an environment that's safe for their teams. So one... Yes, there's a HR perspective and a legal perspective and all that stuff. But if they're the ones dictating that you can't talk about this stuff, then I would probably leave the company or I would tell them that they're wrong because it's not about preventing being sued. It's about helping people. You can't claim to care about your employees, but only care about their work productivity. It just doesn't work that way. Things that a manager can notice, like you can notice if someone's constantly coming in late. If they're missing deadlines on simple projects that they never did before, clearly if they're not hitting goals or if they're not hitting the metrics that are going to help them get to the goal, and you can just politely tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, Jeremy, everything okay, man? You doing all right? Want to go for a walk? Go for a walk and talk. Get out of the office. Go get coffee. Don't get coffee, but just go for a walk. Just approach it there and, and tell them, like, I'm not asking to go deep. That's not my job, but I am concerned about you. Be calm and casual about it, just as if it was one of your closest friends. If you think that they are going to be in danger of hurting themselves or others, I would alert HR. And then the last thing I would say is everybody needs to understand that mental health is not mental illness, right? There's a difference between physical health and physical illness. There's a difference between mental health and mental illness. Mental health is like your physical health. What do you do to exercise the mind, right? Sometimes it is actual physical exercise. Sometimes it's food intake. Sometimes it's just going for a walk. Sometimes it's meditation or playing Tetris or playing Labyrinth or whatever it is. What are you doing for five minutes a day to just try to get the chatter out of your head, right? 
Yeah, I love those ideas. I'd add one more, which we do at SalesLoft. That is, I've never done it at other companies. And frankly, the first time we did it, I was at first, I guess, horrified, but then immediately appreciated it, which is this thing called MEPS. And before certain meetings, especially longer meetings and sort of more in-depth meetings where we, we really want everyone to open up, how am I doing mentally? How am I doing emotionally? How am I doing physically? And how am I doing spiritually? Whether you're, you know, even on the last one, like whether you're religious or not. Oftentimes, the most senior person in the room will start, and they really set the tone. And if they're incredibly open with how they are on those dimensions, then it creates a safe space for other people to open up. So you had that one resource, which was uncrushed.org. In addition to that, if people want to get you know to know more about you or the Harris Group, what is the best way for them to do that? Easiest ways to reach me at Richard at rharris415. rharris415 is my email. Connect with me on LinkedIn, obviously. I'm always open to talk to people, talk to people about you know their own concerns. I've also just talked about sales or sales advice or career advice. I'm always happy to do that. Once again, I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Laura Hall is our executive producer. Our artwork is by Greg Klingshern. This episode was edited by Peter Lopinto. Subscribe to us on your favorite app to learn more immediately actionable best practices from our awesome guests. Thanks for listening to the Hey Salespeople podcast.